Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear me, Jenny Scholick, in conversation with Corda Ballet member Benjamin Fremantle. This interview was recorded on February 25th, 2018, before a performance of Program 3, Distinctly SF Ballet. Hope you enjoy. So I'm very pleased to introduce Benjamin Fremantle, who comes to us by way of Canada and through the San Francisco Ballet School and Trainee Program. He was named an apprentice for the company in 2014 and joined the company as a member of the Corps de Ballet in 2015. So this is his fourth full season with the company. So welcome. Thank you. So it is a beautiful Sunday in San Francisco. You all are here with us, which we very much appreciate, as are you. Can you tell us a little bit about what your morning routine looks like before a Sunday matinee? I mean, I like to sleep, obviously, so I sleep in probably till about like 10 o'clock and then get up and I eat a lot of food. Every morning I make like two eggs with spinach and sausage with some bread and avocado and it's it's so good. But... (laughs) I make that every morning, and I just sit there, sometimes with coffee, sometimes with not. Sundays is not, because it's a little later, a bit of a start, so you can sleep in a bit. Um, but yeah, then I get to the studios, or I guess the, the stage at this point, around 11 o'clock. I stretch, warm up, talk with people, chit-chat about the day coming up, and then go from there, really. And now, here I am, in front of you guys. Yeah, every Sunday, right? <laughs> here. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about how you made your way here to San Francisco? Where you trained growing up and what brought you here? Um, What most people don't know about me is that I actually started at dancing at six, but I started with Irish dancing, you know, like river dance, arms by the sides, feet going like crazy. I actually did that for about six years and I did pretty well. I was in the competition circuit and by the time I um, exited, I was actually ninth in North America for my age group, a little bit of gloating about my 12-year-old self. Um, from that point, I um, went to a small studio to practice um, ballet, jazz, contemporary, musical theater, hip-hop. I kind of switched over from Irish dancing because, as many of you know, there's, there's no real future in that. I mean, you can go to river dance, but that's it. That's all you really have to work with. Um, and that's a, you know, it's a, it's a company of 50 people, so your chances are like, you um, So I was decided, I told my parents that I wanted to continue dancing, and they suggested going to the studio, Caulfield School of Dance, where my brother was at the time doing ballet. And I got there, and the teachers, yeah, the teachers all loved me. They wanted me to continue dancing. It was all very encouraging. And, I mean, it wasn't, it was very much a competition school. It wasn't primarily focused on ballet. I mean... I did ballet for an hour and 15 minutes a day, and then I did singing and jazz and contemporary, musical theater, hip-hop, the whole field. So I didn't really become serious about ballet until I was about 16 when I came to the San Francisco Ballet um, Summer Intensive. Actually, it's funny because during that time, I was deciding... uh, Well, I had a scholarship offer from New York City Ballet, uh, SAB, School of American Ballet, or uh, San Francisco Ballet, and my parents were the ones who ultimately decided and... Being the Canadians that they are, they decided to call each school and see which ones were nicer. Uh, <laughs> so that's how I ended up at San Francisco Ballet School, summer intensive. And I, you know, that's good. Um, so I came here um, for the summer intensive, did the whole four-week program, and by the end of it, um, Patrick Armand asked me to stay in the school as a level eight. Um, it was full scholarship, I got the housing at Jackson House, it was Great. I mean, it's actually cheaper 
for my parents for me to be here rather than be in Vancouver, which is pretty ridiculous if you think about it, but I loved it. Um, so yeah, so I came here at 16 and I've been here ever since and just moving the way through the company. Awesome. Um, so you spent a year in level eight and then moved into our trainee program for a year. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, my level eight year, I kind of did a, a half trainee, half level eight kind of thing. So at the time, I think Miles Thatcher was choreographing a piece called Stone and Steel, which we would later take to um, Canada, uh, Toronto for the Assemblée Internationale Festival, where, where a bunch of international second companies or student groups come together. Um, but at the time, I think two kids were very unfortunately hit by a car. Um, they're fine. They're good. They're both in companies. They're flourishing. Yeah. Um, but at the time, they needed a fill-in. So um, Patrick reached out to me, and with my background in contemporary and you know moving as Miles moves, uh, I was a pretty good fit for that. And I think that stuck in their eyes. So by the end of that um, year, I was offered a full trainee scholarship with the pay and the housing and the whole shebang, which is pretty great. And one of the really cool things about that trainee program, right, is it really is meant to prepare you to be a professional dancer, right? You do yeah. all kinds. You do classical ballet. You do new work. You do contemporary work. You dance all day long every day and mm -hmm. perform quite a bit. So when you did sort of ascend into the company, did you feel prepared to take on the vast array of rep that we do in this organization? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely felt prepared. The training program is specifically designed to funnel into the, into the company and the aspects that the company works with. So, you know, we'd have choreographers come in, like, you know, I don't know who it was at the time. Someone setting something. I don't know. Um, but they would set, you know, they would have two weeks to set a ballet, and we, would, and we would learn it, and that's how it is in the company where someone comes in and we just throw it at you, and you got to pick it up, and you got to give it back to them as fast as you can. So in that regard, I was definitely prepared for it. And also with my background in contemporary and neoclassical, like funneling into the company and doing some of the um, more out there ballets, it was definitely uh, second nature to my body. You know, it definitely was something that wasn't too far off from who I was as a dancer. It's not brand new. Mm -hmm. So this last month, we've seen kind of the breadth of the kind of rep that San Francisco Ballet does. We opened the season with Sleeping Beauty, and then over the last two weeks, we've had programs two and three running in rep. I think you've performed in five of the six ballets we've been doing. Is that... Everything but Serenade. Everything but Serenade. So I was no, right. No, no blueberries for me. No. <laughs> so... How do you sort of mentally and physically prepare to do that many different kinds of ballets in the span of a few weeks? I mean, it's really day by day. You have to go in there with a clean slate of mind. You can't go into a rehearsal thinking about Ibsen's house while you're trying to do Ghost of the Machine. You can't go into Chairman's thinking about, I don't even know what else we're doing. But it, it, it's definitely going in there and having the mentality and the focus of what you're doing at the, at the moment. You can't be somewhere else because if you are, then you're really not into the piece and the choreographer sees that and then they're like, what are you doing? And you're like, I don't, I don't know. You know. So I think, yeah, you really just got to take it day by day and breathe and not freak out about it. I mean, when you're doing this many ballets at the time, if you're um, rotating between program two and three, you need to do your research. I mean, we have all of our rep online from previous seasons if it's been done before. So, you know, we'll all go home and take an hour and just watch each ballet, just 
getting those little details that we sometimes miss out because we simply just don't have enough time here to do that. But yeah. Uh, do you cross train to stay in shape to do something like this or do you really stick with ballet class? Um, most definitely. Um, the ballet just recently partnered up with Fitness SF, which is actually phenomenal. I was already a member for the past year, but now it's free, so that's like, woohoo, <laughs> save that money. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely needed to do some cross training. Ballet is great, you know, but it, you, you really get the long, lean muscles. But if you really want those powerful muscles that you need for lifting women above your head or those big jumps, you need to go to the gym and cross train. So, I mean, I was. I think for a while there, I was going to the gym every day after rehearsal. Back before the season started, we finished at like 6.30 or whatever, and I would go to the gym and swim a mile, you know, just to work on my stamina, because I hate the bike. Ugh, it's awful. You just sit there. And I think that swimming's definitely more meditative for me. So that's what I would do was just go swim, or, you know, if I'm not feeling that, then I would go do arms and chest. I would never do legs, because we get enough from ballet, and I don't want a bulky leg, you know, so. It's not good for the tights, right? No, it's, it's not. not the right look. I mean, exactly. Some people, you know, preference, I don't know. Yeah. So um, thinking about today, it's really exciting. You're going to be premiering in Ibsen's house for this last, last show. Are you excited about that? Are you, have you been looking forward to it? Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, this is actually going to be uh, the third cast you're seeing today for the most part, and that's actually pretty rare. We don't, it was the time in this company, we just simply don't have enough time to get to a third cast. Um, so we, it's been a lot of us doing the work, you know, us sneaking in, trying to get the corrections from the first group, or, you know, getting into a studio with your partner and just figuring it all out. So, yeah, I think like a week and a half ago, we decided to do a stage run with the whole third cast, and our ballet master, Betsy, has never seen really any of us do the parts. And we did a full run through. We didn't stop. No one passed out or stumbled. And we, we finished it, and she was kind of just gobsmacked. She was like, that was awesome. You know, she, like, she was genuinely surprised. And I think it's because that, it doesn't happen that you would actually get a third cast who's so competent as, as we all were, which is, I think, a bigger testament to the dancers, you know, just how focused they are and how much this, the ballet's beautiful and it means something as an acting role and that's what we want to do in our careers as dancers is get that chance to act and to perform and do something that's not just sad dramatic you know so you mentioned that it's an acting role for those of you who may not know Ibsen's house choreographed by Val Canaproli in 2008 takes on five of Ibsen's plays as its um, source of inspiration and really distills them down to their main characters um, the female the sort of the main woman and then um, the man who's her main foil in the play. You don't have to know the five plays in order to enjoy the ballet. It's really designed to be seen without necessarily knowing th that context, but it's absolutely embedded in those roles. Can you tell us which um, of the parts you're doing, which of the plays, and how you prepared for a part like that? Um, my character is Oswald, and I have syphilis. Just, uh, just that's the fact of the ballet. Um, no, I mean, preparing for the role, like, some people, you know, it's all based off plays. So some people would read the books, some people would watch a movie, some... I decided to watch the movie. Well, I watched the scenes Oswald was in, and then I was, got it. Um, but, I, th I mean, the ballet is about Oswald um, 
perishing away from this disease, syphilis. I mean, before we had the cure today, it used to be a death sentence. It was um, a deteriorating of the mind, of the body. And the pod that I get to do with Helen, which is my mother, um, played by Madison Kiesler today, um, is all about that. And in the movie and in the play as well, I tell my mom that if it gets bad enough, I want you to take my life. I, I want you to end it for me. And this part of does basically the moments leading up to that where she's left with this decision of my son is not there anymore. What do I do? Um, as you think about a role like Ibsen's, is there anything in particular that you feel like the audience should be looking for in that ballet? It's one question we get a lot. You know, what is, what's a key moment? What's a key gesture, for example, that comes up in that There's ballet? one, um, Oswald, my character, he does this mo motion where he basically starts at his stomach. Oops, sorry, I forgot about you guys. Um, I start at my stomach with the fingers coming up, and then I grab my chest as if to insinuate the the disease coming up through my body and finally reaching to that point of, you know, like, that's going to be it. So I think certain moments like that, in each paw you look at, they have certain motifs, certain um, things that stick out that relate strongly to their character. I think as an audience member, you just want to look at each paw as, as an individual. You don't want to try to compare it to what's happening or try to find a deeper meaning in that. You want to look at that as a whole and try to find your own story about what they're trying to say and you know, see how much of a testament to the dancers are with their acting. Great. So changing tracks a little bit, this year you've had the opportunity to work with choreographers quite a bit in the studio. Um, if you were here last week, you would have seen Benjamin Milpier's The Chairman's Dances, which you got to work with him on. Um, and then in addition, of course, four choreographers through our Unbound Festival, which I say this every time, so I'm sure you all know by now, is a festival opening on April 20th that features 12 new works by 12 choreographers, and each dancer in the company more or less got to work with four of them. Um, and as part of that, we got to see Ben featured on an Unbound live stream um, this past summer with uh, one part of Trey McIntyre's work. So can you tell us a little bit what it's been like this year to have the opportunity to collaborate with so many choreographers in the studio, what that experience is like for you as a dancer? Well, that's amazing. I mean, most companies get one new work or two new works in a whole year, and here we are getting four new choreographers coming in who want to create something that's you know truly beautiful. Um, I think the most what you really understand is that every choreographer has a different um, way of approaching how to choreograph. Some come in and it's more improv-based. They want to see you move and see what comes out of your body naturally, and then they want to mold that into what they think the ballet should be about. Um, someone like Trey McIntyre came in, and he was just like, boom, boom, boom. He knew exactly what he wanted. He, I mean, I think I say exactly what he wanted, but really I think he was just improving and saying, do that, and then that would be the piece. You know, it was very much second nature to him, uh, which was his choreography. But no, I think it's been like pretty grateful because you just work with so many different personalities and as a dancer you learn to work with all those personalities you know it's never going to be a, a cookie cutter um, someone to work with so it's good to balance it out see what they want see what they need sometimes they want just um, someone to stand there and to listen and then do sometimes they want to interact with you and see what your body does and it's really just an interesting process to see the different kinds of ways people choreograph 
Can you tell us a little bit about those four choreographers who you got to work with this summer and what each of their processes were like, if you can remember back that far to July, September? I'll start with uh, Ro um, Dwight Roden. He start, um, we had him. Um, he, he had a, an assistant come with him, Clifford, and basically Clifford was more like the translator because Dwight would just do something. And then Dwight, and then Clifford would be like, "Okay, it's this." You know, he'd make it crystal clear for the rest of the dancers to figure out, because, you know, we're, we're all used to what the positions are, and we can say it what it is. But if you have someone coming in who's undulating their whole body, you're kind of like, "Okay, try to figure that out." Um, so it was good to have someone like him to actually direct us in a way that made sense to the dancer and to actually put it to counts and someone to make it clear. Um, we also. Stanton Welsh, we had come in. Um, he was very much uh, classical. I mean, I think out of all of Unbound, he is the most classical Absolutely. ballet. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's the most kind of neoclassical, classical. Like positions, you know what you're doing. And, and that was actually one of the easier ones. It was the first one we had, so it was kind of a smooth transition into the whole Unbound experience. Um, but yeah, it, it, he knew what he wanted as well, and it was just super precise and super balletic. And, you know, you could say what all the steps in the ballet were compared to do that snake thing, you know? It's like, oh, okay. Um, also we had Trey McIntyre, which I talked about, and we also had, can you help me? I'm trying to think through them. Christopher, Christopher Wielden. Wielden. <laughs> Oof, that's a big one to forget. Um, yeah, so we had Christopher Wielden, which was um, quite an interesting process as well. He's um, very neoclassical, but he's definitely someone who wants you to help, wants you to engage, like if he's like, okay, find a way to get her from this place to that place. And then you do, and he's like, eh, but could you add this arm in there? And then that's how he would create his steps. Or he would come in one day and have a whole 36 count combo ready for you to go. I mean, it, it was kind of just, it was spotty everywhere. So it was kind of nice to work with him and it almost felt like a collaboration at times. And I, I mean, as a dancer, I think we like to collaborate. We like to, you know, look at what's on the stage, the piece that we've kind of all made and be like, yeah, we did that together. So speaking of choreography, is that something that you're interested in? Yes, most definitely. I love choreographing. I think I'm always just in the studios playing around in my kitchen doing stuff, my cat, you know, it's just great times. Um, but yeah, I think two, uh, two years ago I did a piece on the San Francisco Ballet School called Bear. Um, I really enjoyed the experience. I would love to do it again, do some stuff differently, um, approach it differently as well. And do more my style instead of trying to do something that I think people would like. Um, but I was going to do a piece this year, but this has just been a crazy, uh, amazing, but crazy, crazy busy year for me. I mean, I think before the season started, I was having, you know, overtime and penalty every day and just having half hour lunch breaks and not being able to get down to the studios to work with the dancers, you know, and when you want to make an original piece for that, you, you need the dancers. You can't just go in there with two people and be like, teach everybody else. You know, it's not, that's not how making a piece works. Um, so yeah, I think definitely I would love to choreograph. I, I am choreographing just mostly solos or grabbing dancers like Jennifer Stahl or Shanae Lazarus, like people that want to do what I want to do and just playing around in the studios and I love it, yeah. Are you a have the dancers improv and work with that or a, do you come in with like everything set and ready to go? No, I think I'm very similar to Trey McIntyre in the, in, the, in the way that my improv is my choreography. And, you know, if I'm in a situation, I can figure out where to go from that. It's almost easier for me to just 
spit out a minute solo and then go back and like tweak some stuff and fix it that way. And if like if I was working with a dancer and they were suggesting stuff, all, my, all of a sudden my brain's like, uh, but I want to, but I don't want to, you know. Um, so definitely, it's I come in there with a pretty clear idea. It's more like a like a football play, you know. I want to get here to here, and I want to get there to there, and I just gotta. I have 36 counts to figure out how to get how to achieve that. Awesome. So I'm gonna open it up to questions after one more from me. Uh, so you're dancing a lot. You're choreographing some. What else are you up to when you're not here in this building? Anything? Sleeping? No. Um, um, I, I randomly uh, cut hair. That's just a random thing I'm good at. Actually, I started back um, back in the Jackson house, which is the school residence. I used to cut all the boys' hair. I still cut all the boys' hair, like John Paul, um, Nathaniel, even principals like Joseph Walsh. Like, I get to cut their hair. Some girls have led me, and it was good, I promise. <laughs> Um, but um, before the season started, I, w I used to um, actually go into the ten Tenderloin and offer haircuts to the homeless people. Um, it was a little intimidating at first, but you know, they were all really welcoming, and I think they were surprised that someone who looks like me and acts like me wants to come in and make a little bit of a change. And it was really um, a pleasant surprise when um, this man, a homeless person named Truth, um, he... I cut his hair probably two weeks before, and he came up to me in the tenderloin when I was cutting someone else's hair, and he was like, yo, man, like, I just got a job at Burger King. And I was like, wow, that, that's, that's amazing. He's like, yeah, I mean, I, I felt confident. I went in there, and they saw me as a person, it seemed. They didn't see me as a homeless person. I think I have to thank you for that. And that was a really cool experience, and that kind of made me want to reach out and want to help more people. So I'm starting this thing called Project New Day, which is essentially going into Tenderloin once a month, cutting hair, offering a shower, giving um, warm meals to people. I've been going over to uh, Cinta Veda Institutes and some other beauty colleges around San Francisco and talking to the headmaster, mistresses, and seeing if their students want to get involved. You know, it's, 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 it's free. It's definitely volunteer, but it's a chance for them to practice their art and also help, help out a community. So, yeah. Awesome. That's great. All right, so I am going to take questions and this gentleman over here, and I will repeat the question. The question is, can Ben uh, discuss some of the differences between the um, National Ballet of Canada, who are actually coming here in a few short weeks, the beginning of April, and our company? Um, I actually have, I'm from Vancouver, which is the opposite side, from Toronto, where Canada's National Ballet is located. So I haven't had the pleasure of being there so often. This summer I did do my own little... Canadian tour of going to like Nova Scotia and Quebec and Montreal and I did make it over to Toronto to take class with Canada's National Ballet just just for fun just to check it out and you know a, a company is a company you know and dancers are the people that make the company and when I was over there it didn't it's it felt like it feels here for me you know it was very much their home and this is my home so in terms of differences, I feel like if you could only put it down to repertoire and um, length of contract. I know they only have like a 36-week contract compared to a 42-week contract that we have over here. But I don't, I wish I could say more about the actual differences between the two companies, but I just don't know that much. The question is about Justin Peck's rodeo and um, what that was like to perform in and whether Justin was here setting it. Yeah, so this man named um, Craig, who's currently the 
one of many people running New York City Ballet right now. Craig Hall. Craig Hall. Thank you. Um, he came and he initially set the ballet on all of us. And I think two weeks into it, Justin Peck came in, kind of did the old uh, finishing touches. I mean, Justin's pretty busy. He's going around. He's doing Broadway. He's doing uh, music videos in Hollywood. So I don't think he has the time to come here and set a ballet like he used to do, you know, four years ago. Um, but it was, I mean, rodeos, I mean, you watch it, it's a fun piece, you know, it's just a bunch of men running around, doing a little, doing a little jig around the stage and whatnot. Um, but it's really an, a really enjoyable piece. I mean, Justin certainly has his own choreography and his own coordination, so I think that's the hardest part um, as a dancer is to take someone else's coordination that kind of makes no sense to your body and... Um, really drill it in so it does. And that's kind of a lot of Justin's choreography is like that. But, you know, I mean, that's kind of part of being a dancer is just being able to take someone's own steps and put them onto your body and make them feel normal. The question is, do you hope to rise through the ranks of the company? Most definitely. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think everyone in this company is trying their hardest all all the time. I mean, I certainly am trying very hard this year to get noticed, to be seen, to be out there. Um, I'm doing a lot of principal and solos parts right now. You know, even in Sleeping Beauty, I was got taken out of the core work because I was doing so much of the the, the soloist work in Act Three, and like that, that kind of the times that that stuff happens, really like okay, this could happen, you know. Um, but you know, the one thing is is you don't know. It's really not up to me. It's really not up to dancer. It's up to the director and what he thinks and what he thinks is right and if it's the right time, if he, if he needs this kind of a dancer, you know, if, if you look into the principles, do they have someone who looks like me that can do what I can do or is that an empty spot that they need to fill? So I think as a, as a dancer, that's one thing you got to look at is seeing what they need. Do they need an amazing partner? Do they need a guy with legs and feet? Do they need you know, someone who can just do tricks out of the wazoo, just like Don Q or Basilio kind of thing. And I don't know, I feel like I could maybe fill a void in this company like that with my type of style. And I think we are at time. They get mad at me if I go long. So thank you so much, Ben. Thanks so for joining us. And thank you all of you for being here today. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For other podcasts and audience engagement programming, please check out sfballet.org slash explore.